Well, that I don't know what kind of a start that is to uh, all of this, but I am serious as I can be about my heart. My heart is heavy for all the pain. My heart is heavy. And, and I just, as, I, as we've gone through the week and as we've prayed for so many, um, I, th- I think of the Herzogs and how we love that family. And um, Stephen and his little family and the others. It just, and then Holly and her, her father, Jason. And so our hearts have been so heavy this week, just, and, and there's just no place to turn. I mean, there's no place to turn except just to the Lord and to his word. And so I thought, you know, just rather than trying to come up with something, to, I just don't know of a better place to, to, to go than the word of God. So this may seem a little strange on a Sunday morning before the Lord's Supper, but if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23, Psalm 23, and then uh, Keith, Keith Vanderford, where are you? You're still out there in the foyer? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you read. Um, why don't you just read uh, 1 Corinthians 15 for us in a minute. I'll, I'll, we'll get there. But, uh, and that's another passage I turned to this week, and it just seemed to bring so much comfort. Just it was so rich and... Um, but anyway, let's look at Psalm 23, not to exegete it um, again. I think you're getting used to hearing that uh, from time to time. But, but just, to, just to see if God would, in a special way, speak to our hearts. Let's just pray and ask him to do that. Would you, would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we just thank you for just being able to know you as Father uh, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that He is the only way to heaven, only way to eternity with you, just our faith in His finished work on Calvary. And our hearts go out to those that may be here without Christ today and, and help them to see their lostness, help them to see their sin, help them to see the need to turn to the Lord Jesus for salvation. He's the only way. But I thank you that we can turn to you in time of trouble and heartache and heartbreak. And Lord, we, we cry out to you. There's so many hurting. We think about the Pheasantons and their son. Just so many things going on in, in the lives of uh, people. And so we, we just cry out to you for mercy, for strength, for encouragement. And we ask you to use your word today in a special way that your word would speak to our hearts and that we would be ministered to. We'd leave, leave here today after the Lord's Supper and after this time of recognizing the Nelson family that we would say it was good. It was really good to be in the house of the Lord today. Pray your blessings. Pray you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 23. Let's, let's just look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I 
shall not want. I, I did a little research and a little about I shall not want, but you know, the bottom line is if the Lord is your shepherd, you're not going to want for anything else because he's all you need. The Lord is, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Now, I wanted to just, just think about that for a minute. Yea, though I walk through the, the valley. You know, Aaron sent a, 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 a message or just a thought from, I think it was Charles Stanley, Dr. Stanley. And he said there are just certain things that, that God reveals about himself in times of darkness. And I just immediately thought about, instead of darkness necessarily, I, I think about the valley. The mountaintops and the valley. And I think you can apply that same thought that God reveals certain things to us when you're walking through the valley. When you're going through the valley. And I believe all of us as believers, because He is my shepherd. He is our shepherd. And He's going to lead. He leads us. And He's going to lead you as you go through the valley. Just realize He's leading you through the valley. And He's going to reveal some things that you probably wouldn't have seen on top of the mountain. I know that's been my personal experience and so many others who share that same thought that when they're going through the valley, through the difficult times, through the hard times, when, you know, when really it doesn't matter who's in the Super Bowl, and when it really doesn't matter who's in the World Series or who wins, when it really doesn't matter about those things, when everything else in this world, all those things that sometimes we get sidetracked with, those things don't matter anymore. It's when you're in the valley, when you know that there's a crisis, when there's the, the trouble, the, the thing that, that you dreaded the most is there. And, and you just say, God, I need you. And he starts revealing himself in such a special way. I do believe that certain things are only revealed in the valley. Because that's when he has our full attention. That's when he has our full on the mountaintop, and when things are going so great and so well, you know, much of the time we really get, we're easily distracted. We're very human. But it's when you're going through the tough times. In our own personal experience, it's been through those times that I've developed the most confidence and trust in my Heavenly Father for my whole walk with Him. It's been th through those difficult times. So it's natural, as the Apostle Paul, it's natural to pray that they be removed. It's natural that we ask God to take them away. But you'll listen 
If you'll be careful and listen, you'll hear him say, but my grace, but my grace is sufficient for thee. But my grace, because he's your shepherd. He's your shepherd leading you, leading you to the still waters, the green pastures. He's restoring you, restoring your soul. But he's leading you through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. And look what it goes on to say. I will fear, I will fear no evil. I will fear, why? Because he's my shepherd. I have confidence in my shepherd. I trust my shepherd. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long would you say it with me? How long? Forever. Going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, there's comfort in the word of God. And it's like nothing else. You can't read a commentary. You can't read a commentary. You, you can't read a great devotional book. You can't read the footnotes in your Bible and receive the comfort that you can receive from the word of God. Yeah, there's, there's nothing like it. You can't, you can't put your eyes on anything else that's better than the Word of God. It's the ultimate. It's the best. It's absolute. So, Keith, why don't you read? You would like, you're going to come here? You're welcome to come here. Do you have a mic? I can't see if you have a mic. Okay, he's, they're bringing you a mic. If you'd like to just go ahead and read. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. 
for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ is preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he has not raised up. So if be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he hath saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did, did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if, they de if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized of the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. 
and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on corrupt incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very, very powerful, Keith, and I appreciate it so much. So if you would turn in your Bibles to 
1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> Begin reading in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Just want to make a couple of real fast, quick comments about from time to time, the thought comes up, how often should we have the Lord's Supper? And I think most biblical scholars agree that the Bible just doesn't say how many times a year or a month you're supposed to have the Lord's Supper. In fact, in this passage, it mentions as oft as you drink it, as oft as you partake. Um, and, and from experience, we could all probably look back on past churches and say, well, and when I came here in 1986, this church was having the Lord's Supper four times a year. And then we changed it pretty quickly after I became the pastor, and uh, we started doing it once a month. But there are churches that have it every other month, once a month, four times a year, and then some churches have it every week. But the point, and, I, and I've read what a lot of people say about the Lord's Supper, um, the point is really not the frequency, because, because it is possible that uh, it, it could become, and I think even in our church, if we do it once a month, I think it could become a ritualistic uh, it could become even dull and meaningless if we're not really appreciating what, what we're celebrating, what we're participating in. In other words, I think we could go through the motions of the bread and the, and the, the drink, the, the juice, if we, if we don't have our hearts right. So really and truly, it's, I think it's more about the heart. The Lord's Supper is more about our heart. Examining, self-examination of our heart. 
than it is about how many times we do it. I think we need to do it as often as possible. And, uh, but I don't think that's the key. I think the key is the issue of how is my heart? When I'm about to do this, we're about to have the Lord's Supper. Is my heart full of sin that I've not released and, and, and confessed and dealt with? I could, I could, there are people that partake of the Lord's Supper just full of sin and they've not dealt with it. They haven't confessed it. They, they, haven't, they haven't gone to the Lord with it. So it's important that we examine ourselves, as Scripture says, examine ourselves and to deal with our heart. Our heart can become hardened according to Hebrews chapter 3 and other passages in Hebrews about, you know, uh, not deadening your heart. Don't let your heart become hardened. And so the heart today is what I really think we need to think about. How is our heart? And you know what? You can't do it for me and I can't do it for you. But I need to examine my heart and see where my heart is and the condition of my heart. And, and as I think about the heart, I think about this Lord's Supper, there ought to be such a gratefulness. I, there are ways to describe, you could use all kind of illustrations and pictures of, you know, you're about to pay the ultimate price for your sin and, and Jesus steps up and says, I'll take your place. I mean, there, you know, and the gratitude, the gratitude of, of being pardoned and forgiven. I mean, it ought to, we ought to just be overflowing with gratefulness and thankfulness to God for the fact that I'm the, I'm the sinner. I've sinned. It's me. I should have been the one that was crucified, but Jesus took my place. He, he took my place. He stepped up and paid my penalty for my sin. And my heart ought to just be full with gratitude and thankfulness and rejoicing and saying, oh God, thank you for saving my soul. And I would plead, I hope and pray that we never get tired of the Lord's Supper, that we never become dull to what it's all about. But we would, as we participate here in a few moments, we're going to come as families and uh, share the Lord's Supper. We need to be so thankful to God for this wonderful gift of eternal life through faith in Christ and His shed blood and the fact that He's been raised from the dead, victorious over death. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to be afraid of death. So it's important that we take a, uh, the time as you're waiting your turn as a family, it would be important to wait to, as you're waiting to think about, you know, is my heart right? Is my heart ready? A am I going to possibly partake in an unworthy manner? And so we need to deal with that and have a, a two-way conversation with the Lord. Let Him speak to you and you speak to Him. But let him show you. I believe the Holy Spirit. I believe if, if you really understand the work of the Holy Spirit, he is longing to reveal that hidden place in your heart that you've not really turned over to the Lord. And he's wanting to show us ourselves. The things that God already knows. He already knows all about everything that we've ever thought, will think, or act, or do, or whatever. 
but he's wanting to show us the things inside of us that we have been deceived about and things that we need to know about and things we need to deal with and confess. And once again, once again, I reflect back on the time with Doug Meyer. Love that man, love that family. He said, let's do business with God. Let's do business with God. And so we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to read our passage in Luke 22. You would turn there and I'll read it. Luke 22, beginning in verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks, and said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread, and gave thanks, and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's pray, then we will begin. I'll, we'll start, my wife and I will start over here on this side. Someone can start on this side as the, as the ushers uh, escort you or uh, give you some direction. We'll have, we'll have both sides going at the same time. Father, we want to thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness and your love, the greatest demonstration of love ever recorded in the history of mankind is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And we want to thank you. We praise you. We're very grateful to you for all that you've done, all that you've shown us about yourself. The blood, your, your beaten body, the empty tomb, God, all of it means one day because of what you have done and because we've believed on you personally, individually, each one of us, one by one, trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We'll be able to go and be with you in heaven forever and ever. For all eternity, tremendous family reunion for all those that have gone before us and all those that have be coming behind. Father, we, we cry out to you for mercy for those that are going through extreme pain today. That you would bring comfort from your hand. That they would sense your presence in a special way. And we'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.